Good morning. Happy New Year. This morning, we are starting a year-long kind of focus on this idea of faith, on what does it mean for us to be a church, for us to be a group of people that, that grow in our faith. And I think oftentimes when we think of faith, we think of scenes like that, that movie in Indiana Jones, right? It's these, these giant leaps of faith, these doing impossible things. And we even uh, think about that a lot in our Christian faith, right? The, so many of the stories that we celebrate that we love to hear are people who have done incredible steps of faith, right? You could uh, maybe, you know, we've talked about people who have sold their businesses and have invested that money into a ministry or into uh, missions and moved back to the country of their origin and with like no plan of retirement just to, to serve God in that way. And we go, wow, how incredible is that? Or maybe uh, the person who who chooses to trust Jesus and to follow Jesus, knowing that their family will completely cut them off and disown them, and yet they, they choose to, to make that step of faith. And, and we look at those stories and we go, wow, what huge, heroic leaps of faith. But I think if we only think of faith in that sort of heroic leap, then we miss the beauty of what faith can be in our lives, this day-to-day activity of trusting God, right? Of, of taking one small step after the other and, and learning what it means to follow him. In fact, I think the Bible is filled with stories of those kind of examples of faith, right? It's filled with stories of ordinary people who find themselves in very ordinary situations. And I would argue that even in those ordinary situations, find a relatively ordinary amount of faith not always these extraordinary amount of faith, but because they put their faith in an extraordinary God, God uses their lives to do extraordinary things. Right? You look at stories like Abraham, who is uh, celebrated in the book of Hebrews as being a great man of faith. If you look at his story, him and Sarah, their story is not this giant leap of faith. It's a bunch of ordinary steps of faith, but because it's in an extraordinary God, God uses them in an incredible way. I mean, throughout the Bible, you know, you look at your people like Gideon or um, Moses or even David, relatively ordinary people in ordinary circumstances, often circumstances just like you and I find ourselves in, and they choose that step of faith, and an extraordinary God uses it in in awesome ways. And, And so as we look forward to this next year, what kind of ways are God, is God going to stretch our faith, is going to grow us? I think to look at those, those ordinary steps, what are those, those next steps that God is calling us to? Uh, before we do that, though, I think just to kind of talk a little bit about what is faith, right? This is a kind of a nebulous word. It can get used in lots of different circumstances. Maybe we use the word faith just to mean believing in something, or we can use faith kind of... Um, just as a, like a synonym for having a positive outlook in life, well, you got to have faith. You know, you got to be positive. Or sometimes we use faith as uh, just another way of saying spirituality or religious activity. What's your faith background or something? And, and all those things are, are probably helpful, but I think it's a really important question for us to get at. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this faith, our faith, is, is foundational to, to who we are. And, and it goes on to say that, that 
to draw close to God, we must believe that he exists and rewards those for seeking him. That is what, what faith is. It's, it's this belief in who God is and what he's doing in the world. I saw this quote this week um, that I thought was helpful. It's this. It says, faith is a channel of living trust. Meaning that faith is this ongoing trust that we have with God where we trust God and he shapes us and it's this living, breathing, relational movement in our life. Uh, I didn't remember who I read that quote from and I said that in first service and somebody, I think, spent the entire service Googling to find out that was Hank Hanegraaff who said that. So for what that that is. But it's this living channel of, of trust, right, that we walk with. I love um, the book of John, and I think the book of John really lines out what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean to have faith in Jesus in a really beautiful way? I used to work um, with this pastor up in Oregon, and uh, anytime somebody came to, to know Jesus, to trust Jesus, the first assignment he would always give, he'd go, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go home and begin to read the book of John, and every time you see the word believe in the book of John, I want you to circle it or underline it, whatever you want to do. And what you'll find is if you do that in the book of John, over 100 times, John uses this word belief. And at the end of his book, uh, he says this, I'm writing you these things. So I wrote all these stories, this, all these things of Jesus down for you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, that is our hope for us as a church this year. It's not just that we're going to have more faith and that we're going to believe more in Jesus. It's that by believing more in him, we believe, we are confident that we will experience a more full life in his name, the life that he has called us to, a life founded in relationship with God. And that, that is our, our hope for this next year. Uh, this morning, to kind of kick off this thing, to get us thinking, I want us to look at two different narratives two different stories out of the book of John. They come right next to each other. And and these are two situations where people who did not know Jesus, who had very limited background in a relationship with God, come to find faith in him, come to believe in him, and and thus find life in him. And I think there's a lot we can gain and kind of gather from these. The first story we're going to look at is found in John 4, uh, and we're going to jump in at verse 19. So if you want to open that up, you can. John 4, 19. And this is the story of the woman at the well. It's a story you've probably heard multiple times. You've probably heard sermons at this church preached on this, this story. And typically when we read this story, we read it from the perspective of Jesus, right? And we talk about, there's all sorts of great implications here of, of how Jesus crossed these social and cultural and, and uh, boundaries in order to reach out to this woman, to love this woman, how uh, Jesus spoke truth, how he knew her and he cared for her and spoke truth in that moment. And all these are, are really great and important lessons. But this morning, what I want us to look at is from the perspective of this woman and how she finds faith in Jesus, And more specifically, one of the first things I noticed as I was reading this is how faith transforms us, that our faith, our relationship with Jesus, when we trust him, when we believe in him, it shapes us, it changes us. And so as we go through that, you'll hopefully see that. So I'll give you kind of a little context for what we're about to read. Um, This uh, Jesus, he's traveling northward. 
and he's got to go through Samaria. Or he doesn't have to, but he chooses to go through Samaria. And he finds himself traveling. He gets to, in the middle of a hot day, he gets to this well. And this is an ancient well. It's dug by Jacob hundreds of years before. And he gets to the well, and his disciples go into town to go get some food and to get some stuff. And Jesus finds himself in a conversation with this woman. And they enter into this conversation, and he asks for some water, and it goes back and forth. And he goes, don't you know, I could give you this living water, this eternal water. And she's like, how could you do that? You don't have a bucket and all this stuff. And, and it becomes clear at this point that Jesus isn't talking about water anymore. That he's talking about something deeper, more profound than just a bucket of water out of a well. That he's talking about this spiritual life that she could have. And, and so she levies these questions against Jesus. So let's go ahead and jump in there. So starting in verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, and salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So here's this question this lady's asking. She's, she's kind of seen a picture of what Jesus is talking about. She's interested in what Jesus is talking about. But she goes, you know what? Here's the problem, Jesus. I'm a Samaritan. And you see that mountain over there? That's where we've been worshiping for years. And I, I can imagine she's thinking, I've worshiped there. My grandfather worshiped there. His grandfather worshiped there. But you're saying that I got to go worship over here in Jerusalem. Is that true? I, I think what she's getting at is, Jesus, to, to follow you, to understand what you're talking about, do I got to become Jewish to do that? And it's interesting because Jesus answers her question a little bit differently. He doesn't negate what she said, but he goes, listen, here's what you're not understanding. A time is coming. In fact, it is here now when true worshipers will worship in spirit. That because God is spirit, you will just be able to worship him in spirit. In other words, God will be with you. You don't have to go to a location. You don't have to do certain cultural religious practices in order to communicate with God. You can do it where you are in spirit. It's, a, it's an incredible concept. And I would imagine, especially for her who's been in this kind of uh, cultural, religious worldview, that idea was just mind-boggling. And yet, she must have been a very intelligent person because she understood what many of the religious leaders that Jesus met couldn't have known or didn't seem to know. She goes, well, okay, well, what you're talking about Sounds like you're talking about the Messiah here. So maybe I should just wait for this Messiah, the chosen one of God. When he comes, he'll explain all this stuff to us. And Jesus responds, no, I am he. That's who you're looking at. I'm right here. I just told you these things. How incredible must that have been? And I don't think she had it all figured out. I'm sure she probably died without having it all figured out. But she was intrigued by this. 
And at some point, the disciples come back, and she goes into town. And she goes into town, I think, a different person than she left town. She left town just the lady who went up at noontime to go get water out of the well. And she came back with a testimony, with a story. And in fact, it says, through her testimony, many believed. She went back and she said, guys, you're not going to believe this, but out there at the well, I think it's the Messiah. He told me stuff about myself that nobody could have known. And he gave me this promise of eternal water. Come, let's meet this guy. And people from the village, from the community, they came out. And Jesus changed his travel plans. He stayed there for two days to talk and to share with these people. It's an incredible thing about how God changes us through faith. That through our faith, through us trusting him, we are changed. We become different people. We have different outlooks, different perspectives. It doesn't change the core of her being a woman, her being Samaritan, her living in that community, but it changed everything about her. It's uh, maybe to kind of give an example of this. I was trying to think this week about how my faith has changed me. And I was thinking about one of the things I have great faith in is that God created this world that we live in, right? And I believe that deeply. And, uh, but part of just who I am, just I think my natural you know, being of who I am is I love to be outside. I love to be in nature. And one of my favorite things to do is to like be on top of Mission Peak. And I love, especially when it's kind of foggy and you look out over the bay and you just see the mountains poking up through the fog like islands, I love that. I think it's beautiful. Or like standing at the beach and hearing the, the waves crash in. And I think I would like that whether or not I was a follower of Jesus, whether or not I believed God created the world. I think I would still love to stand up there and just be amazed at the beauty of that. But now because of my faith, when I stand up there and look at that, it causes me to worship. It causes me to be amazed at the God who created all these things. And it even encourages me to do that more so. When I look at those things and I don't give worship to God, when I just go, oh, that was cool, and I take off back down the hill, it, it reminds me, no, I should stop and be overwhelmed by this. Uh, another thing um, is I, I believe that God has called the church to, to love and to care for our world. I believe that's part of our role here in this world. But I, naturally, one of the things I like to do is I like to tinker on things. I like to build things. I like to make things. I spend way too much time at night tinkering around on ideas. Uh, and about a month ago, a group of us got to go down to Houston and help with the hurricane kind of recovery stuff. And it was awesome. It filled this kind of natural desire I have in my life to tinker and to screw up somebody else's house that I could leave and not have to worry about. Yet I did it from this perspective, and it met this deep desire that I believe God had put in my soul that came from my faith and my relationship with him. And so this year, I'm really encouraged, I'm really excited to see how our faith is gonna change us, how it's gonna shape our view, our perspective of the world, the way we do the things we do. Another story I want us to look at this morning, it's a story that's found right after this story of the woman at the well. And it's like the woman at the well, this is not somebody you would necessarily think would come to faith in a Jewish Messiah, right? But so the woman at the well comes from a, a relatively low kind of economic class, probably within her society. But the next story is somebody from a very high socioeconomic class within society. This is a Roman official, somebody who probably worked 
uh, for King Herod Agrippa, a pretty nasty king, a pretty brutal king. And not necessarily the person you would root for to, to find faith in Jesus. And, and yet this is the next person that, that John kind of puts together as finding trust and faith in Jesus. And, and from this story, I think one of the things I, I've seen is just how, how our faith is built on evidence. That it's not just some shot in the dark. It's not just some crazy hope that we have. It's built on evidence. But really the greatest evidence that we have for our faith, I think we experience through relationship with Jesus. That, that there's all this evidence out there, but it's when we are walking with Jesus that we fully experience the evidence for that faith. So let me just go ahead and read this story to you, and, and we can talk about it a bit. So John 4, 46 through 54. So he came, this is talking about Jesus. So he came to Canaan in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When the man had heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the words of Jesus that he spoke to him, and he went on his way. And when he was going down, his servant met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked, what hour was it when he began to get better? And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that it was the hour that Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he believed and his household. See, I I love this story because it's just this, I think, a great picture of how our faith deepens and grows. So at first, this Roman official, he's in a desperate place. His son is sick. And he hears that Jesus is coming to town. And there must have been all sorts of excitement about Jesus to come to town. This is where he changed the water into wine. So I'm sure there were some people pretty excited about getting some, some good wine out of the deal, right? Like invite Jesus over for a glass of water and just see what happens, you know? And um, on top of that, Jesus had just been down doing some miracles down in Jerusalem at the festivals. And I'm sure there was people that had been at those festivals with Jesus and are now, in, and the word's out. And this official has enough to go on to say, okay, maybe Jesus can help my son. And I think for us as Christians, sometimes we paint faith as like just this crazy shot in the dark, this just kind of, you just gotta do it, you don't need to have any evidence. Just, and I think there's a lot of great evidence for our faith. There's a lot of great reasons for us to trust in Jesus. Yet I think the most powerful reasons for our trusting in Jesus don't just come from evidence that we can reproduce in a lab or or things that we can measure or quantify in that way. It comes from walking in relationship with Jesus. So this Roman official, he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, help me out. Come heal my son. And Jesus goes, you don't really believe in me. You just want to see a magic show. You just want to see me do cool stuff. You just want to get in on the action. And, And the guy goes, no, please come with me before my son dies. And Jesus looks at him and says, Go, your son will live. And it says that the official believed the words of Jesus, and he left, went home. So he had a little bit of faith at that point. He said, okay, something in that interaction, he believes Jesus. And he starts to head home. And can you imagine what must have been going through his head on his way home? 
man, why didn't I just make Jesus come with me? <laughs> Maybe I could have forced him. I could have arrested him. I could have bragged. I hope my son is better. I hope this all works out. Man, this would be, oh, I, I would, I guess that's what I would guess would be going through my head. And he gets home, he's heading home, and all of a sudden, a couple of his workers come running up to him in the street, and they say, hey, guess what? Good news, your son is doing better. He's, he's recovering. It's good. And, and this official goes, okay, wait, wait, when did this happen? I want to know. He said, no, it happened at the seventh hour. He went, no way, that's when I was talking to Jesus. That's awesome. This was Jesus. And at that point, it says he believed, and so did his family. And I just think that so often in our life that the greatest evidence for faith we need comes from having faith, having relationship with Jesus and walking with him and seeing how he proves himself faithful in our life and recognizing that. How often is it that we pray and we say, God, please help me pass this test. And then we pass the test and we're like, I am so smart, right? I'm good. I knew all the answers to that quest. To that test, right? And instead of going, wow, God, thank you. You've proven yourself faithful. And the next time we come to a place of putting our faith, of trusting God and saying, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. We know that I can trust you because remember what happened last week. And I remember what happened the week before and I remember what happened the week before. And it's, it's founded in that experience of trusting Jesus, of walking with him. And I'm excited this year as we learn to do this together, as we learn to celebrate this together, the more we learn to trust him, the more we experience that. And so I think just the foundation is making sure that we are walking with him, we're in a relationship, we're reading our Bible, that we're praying, that we're talking with others about spiritual things, talking with others about him. Another point that stood out to me in both of these stories is just how faith requires us to really wrestle with to kind of struggle with our own inadequacies, right? To acknowledge what we cannot do. See, both of these people realized that there was a certain level of what they were capable of doing, but they saw something in Jesus that they believed he was more capable of doing than they were. Does that make sense? So they, for the woman at the well, I think when she was talking to Jesus, she realized that she only was limited in her relationship with God, with her spirituality. And Jesus was promising this full, complete, deep, living relationship with God, this walking in spirit and truth, whatever that meant. And she realized that it was worth her putting her faith in that because she couldn't do that on her own. For the Roman official, I think it was obvious, he realized that he couldn't fix his, his son. As a parent, I think we've all... If you're a parent here, you've probably experienced at some point in your parenting wanting to be able to help your kid and not being able to help them, seeing them in pain and being in pain for them. And I would guess that this Roman official had already exhausted his options, right? He'd probably, he was a rich guy. He had multiple servants come out on the road and say, your son as well. So he must have had plenty of money to get a good doctor out and probably a second opinion, probably a third opinion, probably a fourth opinion from the somebody else, right? And yet he couldn't fix his son, but he believed that Jesus could. There was this, this gap. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, that we all have this gap in our own life, that especially when it comes to our spiritual life, there are so much limitations that we cannot be good enough, we cannot do enough religious practices to have relationship with God, that we need him. 
my daughter, um, when she was two, she used to get this weird thing called nursemaid's elbow. Any of you guys ever heard of that? It's a, anyway. Um, it's this thing where your, your elbow kind of pops out of place a little bit, right? And it's on just little kids. And she used to get this where her elbow would just kind of dislocate. And I remember the first time it happened, we, we rushed her into the, the emergency room and a doctor did x-rays on it and realized there was nothing wrong in there. And he goes, okay, I want you to come watch this because this is going to happen again. All right. And he kind of puts her arm down like this and pulls it up and everything just slid right back into place. And all of a sudden, this little whiny girl became happy again, right? And just went off and ran off and played. So the next time that happened, you know, we were out, way out, and all of a sudden she starts holding her arm and crying. And I was like, ah, I got this figured out. I know what to do. So I get YouTube out just to, you know, double check my sources and I'm watching YouTube. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I did it. So if any of you guys dislocate your elbow, come to me. I'm now the expert. But I I realize that there is no YouTube video. There's no do-it-yourself channel to teach me how to fix my life, right? To teach me how to quit sinning, to teach me how to love God, to follow him, to teach me how to be more uh, compassionate, that, that I, there's this limitation to what I can do. And, and so my faith is in Jesus, who I know, who I have great confidence in, can show me those things, can guide me in those things, can show me the life that the Gospel of John was talking about, a life that I, I cannot attain on my own. And the problem is if we, we run around our lives thinking we can do it all by ourselves, we just miss the fullness of what life can be. It would be like if somebody invited you to Hawaii with them, right? It'd be pretty awesome if that happened. They say, hey, come to Hawaii with, you, with me. And you were like, you know what? I'm cool. My Apple TV actually has this really great screensaver on it. And it's kind of like I'm in Hawaii. I'm good, right? That would be... You'd miss it. And I think so often, if we just try to to be good people, if we try to just kind of fake spirituality, we miss the real joy of what it means to, to walk with Jesus, to experience Jesus. It's this relational channel, right? This uh, this channel of trust that goes back and forth, and, it, and it's experienced through a relationship. How many of you in here, uh, I've known a lot of you for a lot of years, um, how many would say, I, you don't need to have faith in me. I know probably none of you have faith in me. But would anybody be willing to say that you trust me? I do. All right. First service, it was like three. Okay. <laughs> all right, just to prove your trust, if you can do me a favor, if you can write um, all your bank account information and your passwords on a piece of paper, just pass them on up. That'll... Now, none of you would do that, right? But <laughs> you would. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, got one. Uh, but my wife, when I forget to log into our Chase account, I can shout across the house, hey, honey, what's our password to this? And she has no problem sharing that with me, right? Because we've experienced a life of trust together. And the same way, I'm so excited this year as we experience a life of trust in Jesus, as we as a church hold each other accountable on that, that we begin to seek how do we trust and follow him more how that's going to affect our faith, how we're going to grow in our faith. I want to wrap back around to the kind of the point we made at the very beginning and just say it again, that I think in both of these stories, what we see is 
small action steps of faith. And if we want to be people, if we want to take those leaps of faith, they, they start at those small steps of faith. It's that trusting in Jesus. It's, it's walking with him. It's this woman who met Jesus and said, man, there's something about him, and goes home and tells her friends and family about Jesus. And faith tells other people. It's the father who chooses to leave Jesus because he believes the word Jesus has said. And then when he gets home, realizing Jesus had proven himself, finds a firm faith in him that actually puts his belief and trust in Jesus and it changes his entire family as a result of it. So what are the, the steps of faith that God is calling us to this year? What are those next things that, that maybe that he's calling us to? Maybe it's something as simple as you've been feeling convicted over the last couple of months or years about joining a small group, but your schedule is nuts and you don't have time to do it. Maybe your step of faith is to join that small group and to figure out your schedule, to just make it happen. Or maybe your step of faith is you've got some sin in your life that you haven't wanted to, to deal with. You just keep shoving it low. Maybe it's a pride, maybe it's a lust, maybe it's a whatever, greed, whatever it might be. And maybe your step of faith is confessing that sin and beginning to allow God to work on it in your life. Maybe it's uh, just a step of faith to begin to do a habit of reading your Bible or a step of faith to begin to, to, to pray more or to have more spiritual conversations with your friends or your family members. That whatever those things are, we're really excited to explore those together this next year, to encourage each other together. We've got a, a sermon series that we're going to be, several sermon series we're going to be going through from now until August. Um, the first one is we're going to take a look at the life of Abraham and Sarah, right? These are two individuals that are celebrated in the book of Hebrews as being people of faith. And we're going to spend several weeks looking at their life. And what's kind of, I think, encouraging about their life is their faith trajectory is not just this upward, you know, blast off. It's this rocky brokenness in their life where they, over time, begin to trust God and become heroes of faith as a result of that. Um, after that, we're going to move into the New Testament. We're going to look in the book of Luke. And all these different people in Luke come to faith in Jesus in different levels of faith, different places of faith, different life circumstances. And, and so we're going to kind of explore those and see, okay, how is God calling us to deeper level of faith in these different places in our life and different circumstances uh, in our various life stages? Um, after that, make sure I get it right here. Yeah, then we're going to jump into a series um, in 1 Timothy. And really, this book is, is about serving. It's about using what God has given us to serve other people. And so kind of asking the question is, as people of faith, how do we love and care for each other? How do we serve? How do we live the life that God has called us to live in community, in relationship with others? Our next series uh, after that will be a, through the book of Habakkuk. And I don't know how many of you have done a ton of study in the book of Habakkuk. I'm not sure how many could spell the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> it's got all kinds of letters in there that are hard to spell. But um, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing book. It's uh, this prophet, this godly man, who has these deep questions of faith, and he's posing them to God. He's saying, God, where are you in the midst of this world we live in? Why is there so much injustice? Do you even care? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all struggled in our faith at those different questions. God, I want to have faith in you, but look at the world around me. 
where are you in this? So that's going to be a, a really great series, I think, as we dive into that. Then we're going to change up a little bit, kind of going into the summer. We're going to look at um, kind of the global perspective of what God is doing in our world, kind of what mission is. And I think sometimes we can think of faith just as this like interpersonal thing. It's just between God and I. But really looking at, okay, look at what God is doing and creating people of faith around the world. And that's going to be a, a great series. And then our final series is, is kind of more of a family series at the end of the summer of how do we as families or of kind of whether that's immediate family or extended family or whatever kind of life situation you find yourself in, how do we be uh, families of faith? And uh, what does that look like in that, that context? So I'm really excited about this next nine months. I think it's going to be a great time for us as a church. If you're not in a small group um, or some sort of life group, I encourage you to at least find somebody else that you can talk to about these things, that you can kind of bounce ideas off of, that can hold you accountable, that can encourage you to be taking deeper steps of faith this next year. Let me pray for us as we kind of wrap up and continue to worship together. God, we praise you that you are worthy of faith that you are worthy to put our faith in, that you have proven yourself over and over again and that we can follow you and we can trust you. God, we just thank you for this church that we get to be a part of. We thank you that um, we can grow together, that this is a a body, a family, that we can care for each other, we can love each other, um, we can speak truth into each other's life and we can um, just learn what it looks like to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.